WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Rinkew and I will be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host, Megan, to my left. Megan, how are you doing this Monday? I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, that's great to hear. You have a nice weekend? I had a very good weekend. I've been calling it the epic weekend because I, I did a lot of things this weekend, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about it today. No, definitely. Um, yeah, I had a great weekend myself. Just gorgeous weather, I'm telling you. Like, oh, it, it did rain on Saturday for a little bit, at least here. You know, it was pouring, but then it just yeah. cleared up. Um, I went to the movies. It was. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been go. to the movies in so long, so for me, that was actually <laughs> something. But um, no, I hope all of our listeners out there had a fantastic weekend. Um, a lot to get to, uh, without a doubt, in the world of sports today. Uh, we're going to be talking definitely about the Tigers and uh, the very, very exciting game that took place yesterday at Comerica Park. Get to the whole uh, series sweep of the Cleveland Indians and what that means for the Detroit Tigers going down for the rest of the run stretch here. We'll also be talking a little about other specifics involving the Tigers. Uh, you know, Rick Porcello throwing behind his Drupal Cabrera yesterday. Was it intentional? Was it not? Leland getting ejected. There was a lot of drama to yesterday's game. Game, so we'll touch on all of that. We'll also get to the Detroit Lions. Lions playing their second preseason game of the year here on Friday against the Browns. Talk about how they looked out there, injury reports and what's going on, and some other stuff going on in the NFL right now. A very sad story we will touch on about uh, two people being shot at the 49ers Raiders preseason football game this weekend. We want to get into the kind of the psychology of sports in that as well. And just a little other info for you. Uh, we got MIS for you. Megan was there. So we have first-hand account of what went down here at Brooklyn, Michigan for the race this weekend. We got it all for you, so uh, definitely stay tuned. Uh, don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893 is the number. And uh, we are going to start with the Tigers. Like I said, this is the this is the you know, home stretch. We're getting there. 36 games left in the season. So, I mean, it is crunch time, ladies and gentlemen. So let's get to it. Uh, the Detroit Tigers now have a four-and-a-half game lead against over the Cleveland Indians in the American League Central. They have a five-game lead over the Chicago White Sox. And the Twins and the Kansas City Royals are just lingering way behind. Uh, 13 games back for the Twins, 17 games back for the Kansas City Royals. So I think we can all pretty much agree on this being a three-pony race mm-hmm. the rest of the way. Now, the Tigers started off a home series against Minnesota here last Monday. Uh, it was a three-game series, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and uh, did not start off the greatest. Um, you know, this was a series that I know me and you, we talked about, Megan. We really thought that, you know, the Tigers would have some good luck here mm-hmm. against Minnesota at home, a team that they have played well against this entire season. But um, there's no cure for Jim Tomey. And uh, Jim Tomey got it done on Monday night in a game that was very close. Um, but at the same time, Tomey, who hit two home runs, three runs total, to get to 600 home runs, um, which is such an achievement, becomes the eighth player in the history of Major League Baseball to get to the 600 mark with home runs. So even though that was a loss, uh, Porcello did not look too great. Um, Schlereth is the one who gave up the final two-run knock to Jim Tomey. I still want to congratulate Jim Tomey, of course. I think it was an incredible accomplishment um, regardless of whether it came against the Tigers or not, not to not only get to 600, but to hit two home runs in one game to do that. Um, we were all wondering if he might even get there by the end of the season because he was creeping so slowly to that number. But I was very happy to see him get to that mark. And not just that, but anyone who watched this game and saw the way that Comerica Park, the fans of Comerica getting on their feet and giving a standing ovation to a guy that, A, doesn't play for your team, and B, just put the game out of reach for you to win in a lot of ways. I just want to, I mean, the fans of Comerica, thank you. Jim Tomey, congratulations. I just thought, again, it was a very classy moment for Tiger fans and for just fans in general around the league. You know, I really appreciated that. It was great to see fans like ours really realizing that this is such an accomplishment. We're not going to boo this guy. We're going to give him his love that he deserves for it. So congratulations again to Jim Tomey for that. Nonetheless, it was a loss for our Detroit Tigers. Uh, Going to Tuesday's game, though, I think as we usually do expect, Justin Verlander on the mound. You're always expecting a win with this kid. 7-1 was the the final score. Uh, Verlander completely carved up the Twins, went 7-2 thirds innings, 7 Seven hits, only gave up one earned run, 
one one walk, eight strikeouts. Uh, great outing for uh, JV. Really got it together. Um, so great job for him. On uh, Wednesday, uh, tough loss. Tigers lose six to five. Uh, Valverde actually gets the loss. Um, it really wasn't the best game. Uh, the Tigers did take off one more run there in the bottom of the ninth. Just couldn't get over the hump to really tie it. But the Tigers lose the series to Minnesota. But like the Tigers usually do. They don't get swept. Uh, they always seem to pull off one win, whether it's a Justin Verlander win or something. The Tigers haven't gotten swept in forever, it seems like, with all these series. Now to the series that's the most important. Series against the Cleveland Indians. They played Friday, uh, and uh, Scherzer was on the mound. And Scherzer, who after that last start against uh, Baltimore, giving up the five runs, played, had an incredible outing the rest of the way, went a full seven, got the win actually in that game, which I thought he just dug so deep. You wondered how he was going to look this Friday. He looked great. The uh, Tigers win four to one, seven innings. He went, only gave up five hits, one earned run, one walk, six strikeouts, gets to a career high, 13 wins. He's 13 and seven now. So great job by Scherzer. Saturday night as well. 10 to 1 was the final score. Tigers absolutely demolishing the Indians, having put having outscored them 14 to 2 in the two wins on Friday and Saturday. Doug Fister going seven innings, gave up six hits only, one earned run, one raw, one walk, seven strikeouts. Um, in his last two starts, Fister is averaging 13 strikeouts to one walk, which is uh, very very good. Um, nice to see Fister really get back to form after the atrocious outing um, he had last week, giving up 12 hits, um, just absolutely getting lit up and then to Sunday's game a game that if you didn't see it you watch highlights of it if you can because this was a game that you know you're watching it early Tigers get up seven nothing okay they get up seven nothing score seven runs in the third inning Delman Young hits a three-run knock um they're just piling the runs on here and uh looking great looking like they're absolutely gonna run away with this game and then slowly but surely the Indians start coming back in the fifth inning the Tigers give up Five runs to the Indians, make it 7-5. to five. The Indians get another run in the fifth, another run in the sixth. Uh, Tigers did tack out one more themselves, but it's 8-7 to seven now in the sixth inning. Um, a very close game, a game that has Valverde come in in the bottom of the ninth for another save opportunity, trying to go 37 for 37. He already has 36 consecutive saves, not one blown save. He comes in there, walks the first guy, hits the next guy with a pitch when he's up 0-2 in the count, hits a guy with the pitch. Then there's a sacrifice bunt, so we got runners on second and third with one out. Tigers have a one-run lead. It's kind of looking. I mean, I'm watching this. I don't know. It, I'm thinking Valverde is going to blow the save. You know, I'm really thinking it. It's just not looking too good. And then you get a hit out to center field to our boy Austin Jackson. Not the deepest, but not the short, most shallow hit. Jackson grabs it and throws a seed to home plate. An amazing throw right on line to Alex Avila. Avila gets it, holds on with two hands, and takes off Fukudome um, at the plate, which was just an amazing throw, one of the best throws I've seen in a long time, and uh, quite an amazing finish. Now, watching this game, Megan, um, I know you were at MIS, so you did not watch it, but I know you've seen some highlights of it. Um, very exciting game. What do you think the Tigers come away with a game like this? It's a game, you know, you're up 7 nothing in it, and you almost lose it, but you don't. Jackson has an amazing throw, double play, game winner. Tigers move on, four and a half game lead. What do you think, if they would have lost this game, what do you think this might have done to the Tigers? Or I, maybe they wouldn't have done much, it just would have been a loss. Uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting, because I mean, just to go back to the Twins series, you and I are saying they'd at least do two out of three, they'd win two out of three, and they just struggled so hard with the Twins. I don't know what it was. Twins aren't uh, the greatest team out there. And then they come in to the, like, to the Indians. This is when I got nervous because we struggled against the Indians in the last series. And I was like, oh, geez, like, how are we going to do? And then they went 4-1. to one, They went 10-1. to one, You know, uh-huh. it was on Saturday night. And they brought an inch and everything. That was Inch getting a home run yes. there. First at bat. I know. Wow. And that's what I missed that. And I was really sad. Parking there was horrible. But anyway, yeah, I mean, if they would have. It's, it's difficult to say just because the Tigers have been so back and forth with everything right now. Mm-hmm. I would probably look at it as just another loss. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a heartbreaking loss. You shouldn't be up seven to nothing and then maybe lose like nine to eight or something. You know. Yeah. That's not something that should happen. I don't think they take it that hard. Um, I just this it would have been it would have been hard, but it's the Indians, and I think they would have looked at it like that. Like it's the Cleveland Indians. They're second in the division. We're three and a half games up. And, you know, it's it's okay. Like, yeah. move on from it. That's how I think they would have taken it, especially, you know, with how they were playing. It's not that they were playing bad. Um, no, not really. I mean, Porcello gives up five earned. Um, 
you know, not the best outing from Porcello. I mean, just a really bad inning necessarily. Uh, just it's usually don't get up seven nothing and then scrap the rest of the game. Yeah. The game went forever. That game went over four hours. It was a very long game. Obviously, I mean, you look at seven run inning, five on five run inning. Um, it's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I don't know what to really put on if they lost this game. They would have won two out of three. Um, I think they would have gotten past it. They would have moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could have gotten into the psyche of Alverde to a degree. Um, just losing your first save in general. You know, you never know what that could do to a guy. Yeah. But um, still, great play by Austin Jackson. The Tigers, you know, the bullpen locked it down enough. Uh, the rest of the way, the bullpen wasn't great, but Coke looked. He came in. Coke looked pretty good. Uh, Benoit was good out there. Um, Schlereth, the only gave up one earned. Uh, Bilo didn't look too bad himself. Looked all right. I mean, he had the inherited runners of Porcello. So you know, the Tigers they got the win. Nonetheless, the important thing is they swept them. Yeah. They swept the Indians. They're up four and a half now, and they have some breathing room. Um, you know, which is going to be good for this team. Like I said, 36 games left. There's not a lot of baseball to be played. Um, you might think there is, but it's not. There really isn't. With like three and four game series, those will go by quick. They'll go by real quick. And I mean, just, you know, one month. You look at five weeks from now, and it's going to be over. Five weeks of season is over. And here's some good news for all of you Tigers fans out there. Um, the rest of the way with these 36 games left, the Tigers only have 10 games left against teams with winning records. So they play four games starting tonight through Thursday against Tampa Bay, which is going to be a real tough series at Tampa Bay. Tampa, who's won five games straight. Um, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're looking really good. Got some great pitching out there in Tampa. And then they play six more games against Cleveland. So uh, in Cleveland... Who knows? Within two games, they could be below 500. They're 62 and 61 right now. Um, nonetheless, we only have three series left against non-divisional opponents. So we will play in a four-game series against Tampa Bay. We'll have a three-game series against Oakland, and I believe a four-game series against Baltimore. Other than that, it's all White Sox, it's all Royals, it's all Twins, it's all Indians. That's going to be the rest of the way, so the Tigers are going to need to get it done. Um, it's going to be very important for them to maintain the type of offense that they have been able to produce this last series with Cleveland. It was very impressive to see them put up 10 runs Saturday night, and even though they won only by one run on Sunday, they still put up eight. They looked great. Delman Young looked great. Uh, Delman has looked great as since he has been a Tiger, which is um, great to see. I mean, yes, Maglio Ordonia is not playing as much, um, and that is the hit you're going to get. I love Mags, but Mags wasn't doing well enough. And Delman Young, he came here. He's only played in six games with us, but at this time he has eight hits. He has two home runs, six RBIs. He's batting 308 with us right now with an 860 OPS. So great job, Delman Young. <laughs> There's not really much more you can say. You can't that. complain about Delman. Yeah. Also making some great catches out in left field. Um, you know when he first came here with the Tigers a couple games ago. So congratulations to Delman Young. And there's another Tiger. <laughs> That I think we need to congratulate. Do you know what Tiger that is? Talking about Brandon? Not talk- no, definitely Brandon. Was- yeah, Brandon, without a doubt, hitting that home run um, was just awesome. You could tell how it was heartwarming. It was just, that, you, that you game, can't script it. Yeah, you can't script it. That, guy, that game, you know, I was at that game, and I just, I'm in the upper section, too. I wasn't even in the lower, and everyone was just standing up every single time he went up to bat. And they were standing ovation, yay, go Brandon, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And we were listening to 97 won the ticket on the way back. Nice. And the whole entire thing was just Brandon Inch, Brandon Inch, Brandon Inch. Everyone's calling in about it, like, what should they do, blah, blah, blah. And then I was watching Sports Center, and then they were like, oh, you know it's your day when you hit a home run the first at-bat, and then, like, the next one you hit a little pop-up and he drops it right, right he behind He just dropped. What a crazy base. drop. I know. We're, he just wasn't he, he wasn't running fast enough. I don't know what was going through his head, but he just, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to let this go. You know? But, no, he did he did phenomenal. And that's what they, the big thing they were talking about. I don't know if you want to say anything about this. Is, you know, they sent him down to AAA, mm-hmm. but because he had a good game, do they bring him back? Or does he have to prove himself more? Well, he's going to be here. Basically, they sent Andy Dirks down. Um, they get, sent Dirks down to make room for Brandon Inch. Dirks will be back by September 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leland has already said this. Dirks is not. He will be back. And Dirks, deservedly so, he's played very well with his team since he's been with us. Uh, with Brandon, it, it's tough to say. Um, you know, I think that's a one. That's a really good game, a first game back. Yeah. But I don't think you can really make a huge judgment call out of one game. And that's the, that's the big thing they were talking about, too. Is he, is he going to be on the playoff roster? And I don't know. It's tough to say because, I mean, yeah, Dirks has been playing so well. Betamit has been playing great with us also. I mean, a guy that's hitting now three, he's been hitting 300 with us. You know, Betamit's looking really good out there. Yes, he's not as great of a defensive 
third baseman, I guess so, but I don't think it's that big of a difference, to be honest with you. And betting me with the Tigers is batting 323, two home runs, 12 RBIs. He's got an 846 OPS. Um, he's almost slugging 500. Um, he's doing a really good job. So, and he's, he doesn't strike out too often. Um, I think Betamit's really. I love Brandon, and mm-hmm. I was so happy to see that you know great game he had. But I think he just kind of played by ear. And Brandon has realized this whole trip, this whole journey of being sent down, and realizing he had to earn his way back. He did earn his way back with the play he did with the Mud Hens, and we'll keep him around, and we'll see what happens September first. Yeah. Because what you can do September first finally is put him on the extended roster. Mm-hmm. You don't have to send anybody else down. Playoff roster, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. They were talking about uh, a third, uh, third base, or not third baseman, third catcher too. Like, really? Yeah, they were like, they were, I guess Leland came out and said he won't be the the third string catcher. Okay. If something was to happen to the first two, he can't. He he's not going to do it. And then they were talking about Kelly and what they were Kelly's doing our Kelly. emergency catcher. Yeah, yeah, Kelly's the emergency catcher. He's also the emergency center fielder. They're like, what if they're both hurt in one game? What are we going to do? Kelly's the emergency every position. That's what they're, they're like. You can't put Kelly in everything. <laughs> hey, he can even pitch if he has to. Exactly. <laughs> but who else are we congratulating? Congratulating Alex Avila. Uh, um, Alex Avila, who has just, he's not only been hitting well these last, you know, eight, nine, ten games. He's caught 15 straight games here for the Tigers because Victor Martinez and his sore knee has not been able to do it. And I don't know, for people that have watched enough of these games here the last two weeks with the Tigers, Avila's taken a, a Decent beating behind home plate, mm. taking a lot of balls to the vest, to the you know face hip, mask. to whatever the face mask. Um, <clears throat> not to mention, yeah, in the game yesterday, you the ump got the ball right on his forearm. Uh, mm. Porcel threw it. Um, they both were getting beat up. Nonetheless, he's batting three oh two these last fifteen games. He's been playing great in the month of August in general. He's batting like four twenty. So I just want to congratulate Alex Avila, someone that's just really given it all and not complained in the least bit about it, saying, quote, being tired in the middle of a pennant race is not really a good excuse. Everybody is getting to the ballpark early. Everybody wants to be here and wants to win, and that feeling is very contagious, end quote. And that's why you got to love Alex. you got to love a lot of guys in this clubhouse because they're team guys. They don't quibble. They don't complain about things. And they go out and they do, they do, they do their job. And uh, here's an interesting stat. I did not know this, but involving this weekend and, you know, how many people were at the ballpark. They sold out all three games. I knew they did. And, they, you know, they completely sold out. But the stat is they drew 132,239 fans against the Indians in this three-game series. And it's the largest three-day attendance in Comerica Park's 12-year history. Wow. So that place was rocking. Yeah, it was packed when I was there. And that's all the upper ones were even just packed full of people. Um, but what I wanted to say about Avila is I think this was, it might have been, I, my brain's like all jumbled right now. <laughs> but I think it was during the Twins series, you know, when he, he got the throw to home plate, stood right in front of, you know, square on to the guy running yep. to home. And then he got barreled over. Got him out. My dad's like, that was crap. He's like, he shouldn't have run into him like that. He could have been hurt, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, and then he comes out in the next one. I think he was second up to bat or something. Hits a, a triple. Yep. I'm like, come on. Like, this man just almost got his head taken off, and now he hits a triple. I was like, that's fantastic. Like, yeah. Like you said, he's been doing so well. No, he's been doing great, and I just, you know, want to congratulate. I mean, he's just, without that kind of performance, and, you know, what people forget, it's not just blocking pitches. It's not just, you know, batting out there. He's working with each of our pitchers, each of our starters, and that's an important relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's it's just very important. I don't. There's no other way to really say it. It's very important to have some guy that you trust behind home plate, and that's Alex Avila. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's great to see that. Yes, Valverde is not Valverde. Excuse me. Don Kelly is our emergency catcher in case we need to use him. Leland still is not sure when uh, when Victor will be ready. Uh, we also do have Omir Santos down in AAA who could catch for us, but they wouldn't bring him up till at least September 1st anyhow. Mm-hmm. So we will see what happens with that. Here's something I want to get to real fast. Anyone who watched this game yesterday on Sunday, again, Valverde did get his 37th save because of the great assist from Austin Jackson in center field. But Porcello. Now, Porcello threw behind his dribble Cabrera in the second inning. Um, he did not... Now, he says he did not intentionally throw behind him, that this was not because the pitch before that, it was a hit towards right field. Uh, as Drupal was just kind of waiting, staring at it, it does go foul. People, some, kinda, some people are speculating he might, they might have thought he was trying to show up Porcello. And then the next pitch, it's behind him. Both benches get warned, and you know, we go from there. 
Uh, my question to all you listeners out there, do you think he threw behind him, or do you think it was just a pitch that got away from him? Because Leland and Manny Acta, who is the uh, skipper for the Indians, both think differently. And, uh, you know, here's a quote um, regarding this uh, from Jim Leland. It says, quote, I understand the perception. Uh, you know, this is talking about the first game. Uh, you know, I know it looked bad, but in my honest opinion, if Rupert Porcello had an issue with Cabrera, which he did not, he would have just drilled him, end quote. So, yeah, if he had a problem, he would have plunked him. That's what Leland thinks. He would have plunked him. He wouldn't have thrown him behind him. Um, says, quote, but Rick wasn't mad at Cabrera, and neither was anybody on our team, end quote. So Leland doesn't think in any way. He says, yeah, it looked bad. Of course it looked bad, because it always looks bad when the pitch goes right behind the guy. Oh, yeah. Looks bad no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, here is a quote from Manny Acta. Uh, Manny Acta talking about, you know, whether he thinks this was – you know, it was it at perp on purpose. What was it? He says, "Quote everybody, including the vendors in this stadium, knew he was throwing at him." I understand they are upset about that. I can't take that pitch back. It got away from me. It went behind him. That's all there is to it. That's Porcello. End quote. So you know, maniac the thanks for sure he threw behind him. What do you think? I honestly did not see it. I mean, it just it wasn't. I mean, it's very simple. It was just it was a pitch that kind of you know was just right behind it. Look, it would look like a slider that got away from him. Yeah, you know, it happens, and it it happens a lot. Um. In baseball, sometimes you just have those pitches you can't control, especially I think it has been Porcello in the past where he goes to throw a pitch and he stumbles over his feet and, like, it's a, just a bad pitch. It happens. It does happen. People make mistakes. I, if he's saying he doesn't have anything wrong or any problems with this guy, everyone else is saying uh, he would just would have hit him if he had a problem. Or I think he would have gotten a little closer, maybe to his face or something. You know, if he really a little had something. A and then, you know. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's speculation. You. One person can lie, the other one can tell the truth. Like, if you're the one that the balls get named at, how do you you know he's going after you? Of course. And, I mean, at the same time, this was the second inning. It was 0-0. Um, There's no reason. There was no reason. There was no runners on. Um, There would be. I just don't see a reason why Porcello. Porcello doesn't seem to be the guy that's going to get that irked and irritated in the second inning when you know this was the same. This was almost a role reversal of you know the Weaver situation because you know this was when you know they thought you know uh, Jared Weaver thought that Maglio was showing him up Mm. with the same deal, a foul ball to the right side of the field, and just I mean this is a second inning. Like, I just, I don't buy it. I feel like it's a different situation, too. I mean, you can compare it to the Weaver situation. Oh, no, it's different, definitely. It's, it's, it just it's had, just hints of the, had hints of the same feel. Yeah, no, um, I know what you're saying. Yeah, just a little bit. But, I mean, nonetheless, I just don't think it was a big deal. And you know what? I mean, I was talking with friends when I were watching the game, and I think those warnings screwed up Ybaldo. Uh, you know, really bad there for the Indians because he wouldn't. He was not pitching inside. Rod and Mario kept talking about it after those warnings to both sides. He just would not go inside like he was afraid that he was going to get tossed mm-hmm. because you know you plunked. You know, you hit a guy next time or you barely throw behind him. You're going to be ejected no matter what. So they were even speculating whether that had any effect on you know uh, Jimenez. You know, possibly not being comfortable now on the mound after, you know, especially in the third inning, all the trouble he got into um, and regarding that inning, which was just atrocious. <laughs> but uh, looking at the Tigers in general, Victor Martinez, Wilson Betamit, Miguel Cabrera, Johnny Peralta, Delman Young, Alex Avila, and Danny Worth. He doesn't count, but um, he's not really playing much. But we have six guys batting 300 or better okay. right now on the Tigers with Victor leading at 324, Betamit at 323, Cabrera batting 321, Peralta 313. Like I said, Delman's at 308, Avila's at 302, uh, Bosch is still right there, roughly at 285. Um, just c- great job by these Tigers, and they're mm-hmm. you know they're batting uh, 23 home runs for Miguel, leading the team, 81 RBIs. Um, you know he's got 144 hits, and obviously leading our ba- our ball club in OPS at 972. So uh, all around team is getting done. They just need their pitching to really keep up, like I think it has been in some of these games. How about Leland yesterday? Oh, Leland getting ejected? It was yeah, awesome. it was funny because I just saw my my friend. He's like, he like the sixty year old came out in him. He did his quick little jog out, and then he did his chest out, head forward. I'm gonna yell at you, and you know, like it was like I don't think that that umpire was taking crap from him because he ejected him in like ten seconds. He ejected him right away. Oh yeah, and. Leland had every right to run out there and do what he did. I knew he was going to do it immediately. Safe. He was safe. It was a close call. It wasn't some horrible blown call, but he was safe. Yeah. Uh, and the announcer's talking about the way Betamit slid what was a lot of the reason maybe that they, the, uh, you know, the third base guy did not give it to him. But Leland had every right. I know we've all said this. I've never seen Leland run faster. That was uh, hilarious. Yeah, everyone said every, – I know everyone's been saying it, but it's true. Leland – 
he's hard. He's like my heart was pumping. You know, he just he was going. He was going crazy. <laughs> just quick little. Like, he's just quick there. little sixty six year old man just losing it. And he had, it was an important part of the game. It was eight to seven, and that would have had runners on first and third with no outs. Mm-hmm. And instead, it was runner on first with one out. So I mean, it was a big deal, and especially in a game like that. And you know, leaving the, I I don't have the quote exactly, but basically he said in a Detroit News article, like you know, I was really worried at this point that the Tigers were. You know, I was really worried about our team and about losing this game. Mm-hmm. He really was worried. You could see it the whole game, especially when they got those five runs back in the fourth. So, I mean, I think overall a nice uh, nice clutch win here. Um, looking ahead, like I was saying, they're starting a series right now. Actually, they probably just got underway about 10, 15 minutes ago. Uh, they're playing at Tampa Bay. Verlander versus Neiman is tonight's matchup. So, Verlander going for win 19. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball best going for the number 19. Neiman, no slouch himself. He's 8-4 and four this season, 3.29 ERA. So, it's going to be a really good matchup here tonight. Hopefully, Justin can get win 19. Looking ahead in the series... Um, tomorrow, we're going to have Penny facing Price. Then you'll have Scherzer versus Davis and Fister versus Hellickson for the afternoon matchup on Thursday. So it's going to be a very interesting series with Tampa Bay. Like I said, a hot team at this time. Five straight wins for the team. They're playing good. Um, 13 games over 500, and yet they're still like eight and a half games back because they play in the AL East. So Tampa Bay, no slouch at all. We'll see how we play against this team. A very good team at home as well. Tigers 31-31 and 31 right now on the road. So we'll see how they look this evening. Um, Verlander, hopefully get it done again. Um, you know, he usually does. Um, some quick numbers on Verlander, some updated uh, numbers on this guy. Uh, right now, like I said, he's got 18 wins, first in the American League. He's pitched 202 and two-thirds innings, which is his third consecutive season with at least 200. Um, oh, now that's strikeouts. Excuse me. That's his third straight season with at least 200 strikeouts or more. He has 204 at this point in the season. Second lowest ERA at 2.31. Jared Weaver, the only one who's got better, and he's at like 2.11, so very close there. Best whip in the league. Uh, you know, walks and hits per innings pitched. That's .88. And here's the most here's an important one that I think no one can look past. First in the American League in win percentage. Every When he gets on the mound, Tigers win 78% of the time, and you can never disregard that. And it's usually coming off a loss. He always comes in. The Tigers lose a game. A lot of the times he's that guy who's the next day to get this ball club back rolling. Or they've lost, you know, they've you know, they've lost two games in a row. He makes sure it's not a sweep. And he's second in the AL in complete game. So great job for this guy. He's got a 1.87 walks per nine innings pitched, lowest of his career. Absolutely phenomenal. I'll say those numbers again. 1.87 walks per nine innings pitched for this entire season. That is an amazing number. And it's numbers like that. He This is his Cy, Cy Young to lose. And that's hands down. Mm-hmm. Hands down. I mean, there's not a chance in my mind. Sabathia and Weaver have fallen off to degrees, both getting absolutely lit up in certain games. He, he leads in quality starts. He leads in everything but ERA and complete games. And complete games is just not a stat that's as important these days because pitchers don't do it. They don't. The, the teams do not develop their guys really to go complete games. You do have your guys that do. Don't get me wrong. The Cliff Lees, the Hallidays, there are guys that do it, but not often. And you don't. You don't really see guys have more than honestly six complete games a season, maybe. That's why they pay so much money for guys like Benoit these days, these setup guys, these eighth-inning relievers, the closers. That role has changed. So I'm not going to put any stock into who has more complete games or not there. That means nothing. And ERA, not as important of a stat as whip, not even close. And not to mention, like I said, he's leading quality starts. So, JV, do it again tonight. This is yours to really just, you know, for the taking. Um, how many Real fast, how many wins are you predicting for JV when all is said and done? He's probably got, he's got like seven more starts. Um, I would say roughly just about seven because we have 36 games left. He's at 19. Well, not 19. Can't get ahead of myself. 18 and five. What do you see when all is said and done for this guy? It's it's hard for 22, 23. It's hard for Verlander to lose. Oh, it is. It's very hard. If if anything, I'm just saying because I'm not going to give him all of them. There's probably one or two he's probably maybe lose. maybe lose one, no decision on one. Right. You know? um, I'm saying maybe five or five or six more. To get okay, so you're gonna give yeah. him like 23 wins. Yeah. Okay. There. No, I agree. I think uh, I think probably I probably more 22 and seven. I'd say, but I can see 23 and six. Mm-hmm. 
So something right around there. But, yes, definitely that's where I see him at. Uh, the most wins he's ever had in his career uh, was 19. So he's never hit the 20-win plateau. So it would be nice to see him get there this season, which the way he's going, how can you not? Quite a season for Verlander. Everybody says, who, who doesn't like watching Verlander pitch? Best Everybody does. Baseball. Hands down. Hands down. I and mean, this is going to be a pitching duel tonight, unless both of these guys had some aberration of their numbers and they just get lit up. But both of these guys, very solid pitchers for Tampa Bay. So like I said, they will finish that series off Thursday here, Thursday afternoon. After that, Friday through Sunday, will they will take their talents to Minnesota. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they will be playing at Minnesota to finish up their road series, and then they come back home. But uh, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to get some football. Get on to the Detroit Lions and how they look this weekend against the Cleveland Browns. Also talk about some injuries regarding guys like Javid Best, Titus Young, how he's doing with his hamstring injury right now. We've got a little Raiders info for you. And uh, something I want you guys to kind of simmer on right now. You know, two people were shot at a preseason football game over this weekend at the Niners and the Raiders. I just want you to start thinking, what has gotten it? What has gotten in with people and their level of sportsmanship, fanship, whatever you want to call it? What in the heck is going on? Uh, phone number is five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on eighty eight point nine WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. First. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> hey, didn't we uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could... Uh, would you ever want to... Um, I was wondering if you, if I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. No, oh, <clears throat> I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. That's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No. Don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Oh, sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Free. Studies show that three quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Or at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Primetime. Now, back to Impact Exposure. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Dave and Megan here with you. Another half hour of the Spartan Sports Wrap coming your way. So uh, let's get to it. Again, don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893 is the number. And uh, we are going to get to the NFL. Who's ready for football? Me. All right, me too. <laughs> um, preseason, not so much, but you take what you can get right now. But, um, yes, the Lions did play their second preseason football game of the year here on Friday night. It was at uh, Cleveland, playing the Cleveland Browns. And uh, the Lions, they won. It wasn't the, wasn't the best-looking win. It uh, wasn't the worst, but they won. 30-28 to was the final. Tiger uh, Lions rally. Lions, Tigers, always the same animal practice around here. Uh, the Lions rally to win 30-28 to in their second preseason game of the season. Um, our quarterbacks, again, looking very, very comfortable and good out there. Um, the offense put up a 407 yards. Stafford in four series went 6-for-10 passing for 85 yards and a touchdown. Uh, passing Nate Burleson. Um, you know, so Matt Stafford looking good. And like I said, the quarterbacks in general, um, whether it was Drew Stanton, uh, Zach Robinson, um, you know, all of our guys really looking good. Um, if you want to look at the two preseason games um, the Lions have played, and this includes Sean Hill, so the to- four total quarterbacks, uh, these quarterbacks have combined for 42 of 62 passing for 515 yards, and that's with six touchdowns and no interceptions. So a passer rating of 125.4 combined for these four quarterbacks. So, I mean, that is a very good sign to see. I mean, I know it's preseason still. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to put a ton of stock into it necessarily. But to still have all four of your quarterbacks look that solid out there, it does make you feel kind of comfortable to know that, hey, we're not turning the ball over as much, at least through the air. And you're getting consistency out of these guys. So, you know, that was really great to see the Lions, at least in that realm, of uh, what was going on there. Um, you know, also, you want to talk about running 
running the ball. And uh, this is a quote from uh, Matt Stafford regarding that. He says, quote, I was really pleased with the way we came out playing fast on the road. From top to bottom, all all four units moved the ball. Uh, We ran the ball better, and that was a point of emphasis coming in. And late in the game, we had to keep, we had to run it to keep the ball and win the game, and we were able to do that, end quote. Uh, And that is the thing. The Lions only ran for 70 yards against the Bengals last week. Uh, The Lions did run for 176 yards uh, this week, averaging just about four yards per carry, uh, averaging 3.9. Mike Bell finally got, Mike Bell and Jerome Harrison did get some, finally, uh, you know, some real reps out there in their preseason game. Uh, Bell ran for 33 yards on 11 touches, and Jerome Harrison had 27 yards on six touches. Um, Harrison, again, did not play much in the second half because of a fumble early in the third, even though he did get himself. Big deal. Whatever. Nonetheless, Lions won it. Uh, it's preseason, win or lose. I, mean, I know we always mention this. They went 4-0 in the preseason. The year they went 0-16. You know, this is this is basically a showcase for the coaches to see who their third string guys are going to be, their second string if they're battling their third string. I mean, that's what this is really for. Um, but still, regarding any kind of problems with this game, um, just like we talked last week. And what do you think the biggest issue for the Lions was this week? I actually missed that game. But if you had to take a guess, it wasn't their running game. No. It wasn't their passing. No. Um, what do you think it was? What do I think it was? What is the one thing we talk about the Lions? It seems like all. The time. Their defense? Well, <laughs> flags, penalties. Penalties. Um, yet again, the Lions just shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, I know they won the game, don't get me wrong, but it's preseason, and this is, I'd rather lose, honestly, and have a much less penalized game going into the regular season. Um, the Lions were flagged nine times for 75 yards in the first half. And that's in the first half. That in a game is too much. Okay, and that's in the first half. A total of 14 penalties for 123 total yards uh, for the whole game. There was a combined 26 penalties for 211 yards between both teams. It was a heavily penalized game. Um, And it's just something that's just, it's way too much. And uh, regarding that, here's a quote uh, from Kyle Vandenbosch talking about that. Quote, there are a couple of things we need to clean up. There were some penalties that could have gotten us off the field and we kept kept drive alive. There are a lot of things we need to clean up and we have to clean them up quickly. The opener is approaching and the sense of urgency needs to ratchet up a little bit, end quote. And very true. Uh, Penalties will kill you Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what. Again, this is regular. This is preseason, but this is this is, you know, this is a, a base for what we'll see in the regular season. And especially with the shortened season when you don't have training camp. They barely had training camp. They barely have as many two-a-days. You're not going to have as much practice time during the regular season. You know, pat, you know, wearing pads and practices reduced from to 9 from 14. You know, it's just you don't have as much time to correct mistakes now while you get into the regular season. They need to do it now. You need to really focus on what is hurting you the most. And I just want to hear from our listeners, anyone that watched this, uh, what they thought about the Lions in their second week so far. Phone number is 517432 uh, 3893. Um, again, the Lions, um, they'll play their third preseason game next Saturday against New England Patriots. So pff, good luck there. Mm. Patriots looking amazing this year. Um, absolutely just putting a clinic on whoever they play, it basically seems like. But nonetheless, the Lions did win, but let's work on those penalties. Uh, oh, yeah. But well, really, the passing is looking great. The offense in general, I think, is looking very, uh, very stout. On this team, and you know we are missing a lot of defensive guys at this time as well. So it's not something that you know we are waiting for people to get get back to us. Um, talking about a couple of the people that do have injuries right now with the Lions. Um, uh, this is an article from uh, the Detroit News. Uh, the Lions are saying that Titus Young's left hamstring injury is progressing, and that they were no, there were no tweaks or setbacks on Monday. Um, people started to speculate that Titus Young had tweaked his hamstring again because he came off the field after seven on seven drills. You know, was taped up and iced. Didn't practice the rest of practice, but you know, pretty simple. Uh, Jim Schwartz says, quote, um, no, it, it was a late practice. He took 24 reps. He took 34 reps today. Um, every time he's done this, we're going to ice it. I think he's okay, end quote. Um, yeah, guy had an injury, you're going to ice it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> bottom line. So Titus Young, they're still not sure um, exactly when he will be ready to go. Um, they're really, you know, really working with his reps, trying to make sure that, you know, it's day-to-day. Um, they're not going to really make sure they not rush anything. Uh, Javid Best, who suffered a concussion in the first play of the game um, here uh, against the Browns, um, he did stay in two more plays, but um, you know fumbled the ball in one of his second plays. Um, he's missed his second straight day of practice. Uh, Schwartz says he is hopeful that Javid should be ready and back on the field tomorrow. 
tomorrow for practice. So hopefully Javid Best, hopefully the concussion's not too bad because he he's dealt with concussion and college issues. He had turf toe on both toes last year, but really slowed him down after scoring five touchdowns in the first two games. So hopefully this it's not – you never know with concussions. Uh-huh. You've seen – I know this is a different sport. Look at a guy like Justin Morneau from the Twins – um, just what that did to him, missing so many games. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, it's different for everybody. Obviously, there are different levels, uh, you know, different severity of concussions. You just don't know. Concussions are scary. They are. Because if you misjudge them, it could just ruin the rest of your life. You could ruin your health. You could you never ruin know. anything you do. Yeah, you never know. You just get smacked on the head too many times. Who knows? But uh, nonetheless, hopefully Javi gets better. We need guys like Javi. We need guys like Tari Sung. This young, brute speed. They are fast. They are great in the slot. They can they can really do good in the backfield. Not Titus Young, really, but more Javi best, of course. But nonetheless, these guys need to get back. Um, guys that also did not practice. Tight end uh, Richard Dixon, his knee was not practicing. Uh, defensive tackles Nick Fairley and Andre Flolin. Nick Fairley still with the foot, you know, still... Working with the broken foot. Should be ready here by the end of the preseason. Andre Fullen's got a hand issue. Uh, offensive tackle Jason Fox did not practice as well because of a foot problem. And again, cornerback Alfonso Smith did not practice as well because of a foot issue. So hopefully they can get this taken care of soon enough. I think Alfonso Smith was a great re-signing there for our secondary. Um, he's really going to do a good job with that. So uh, we will uh, be uh, going to the phone lines, though. See what someone's got to say. Hey, Carl, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. How you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Hey, not a problem. Uh, I had a question for you guys. Since we were talking about quarterbacks, and then uh, you moved on to talking about injuries. Uh, think uh, Stafford can make it through, or has he made a glass? Well, here's what I'll say. I don't think he's necessarily made a glass. I think last year that Julius Peppers blindside hit, was he couldn't do anything about that. Um, I think a lot of quarterbacks would have been pretty injured from that. Um, looking at the Jets' injury, I think he fell like a moron on his shoulder. Um, just It was a shoestring tackle. He didn't do it right. I think he's got to learn how to – what he has said is that he's bulked up. He's put more muscle on so that he can absorb these hits better. I say he won't make it through the entire season. I see him missing maybe two, three weeks with some minor injuries, but I think he will play the majority of this season. All right, yeah, I was wondering a little bit, seeing him uh, the way he was running out of bounds, heaving the ball away so he wouldn't get hit there. No, no, definitely. But uh, let me ask you, just as a fan, Carl, uh, I mean, you're looking at this team these last two weeks, what would you say is the, the biggest the biggest problem the Lions have right now that they need to shore up, they need to really fix? Uh, it looks like the offense is clicking, but uh, if the defense can step up, uh, I know it's a preseason game, you have a lot of third stringers, but uh, keeping points off the board I think wins a lot of games. No, I definitely agree, Carl, and I really appreciate the phone call. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. Keep up the good work. All right, thank you. Bye. Matty Ice. Matty Ice. No, I'm not going to – listen, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to be all negative about you know, Matt Stafford until he's actually injured again. I mean, like I said, I really think he's going to have a much better season. I think he's – he only played three games last year. Um, you know, I do think that he's going to be a lot healthier. But it's football, and he's not Brett Favre. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not a guy that's going to go – 200 consecutive starts, 100 and some consecutive starts. That's just not the way he's built. But from from what I know, again, of him putting on that muscle, um, he looks he looks more comfortable in the pocket, and you know, be able to take some hits. Like I said, and it's that first hit he took last season when the, that game against the Bears. You can't blame him. You can't blame a guy that gets beat because the left tackle gets beat so bad that he gets blindsided. I'm not going to put that on Stafford. Like any of any, so many quarterbacks would have been injured after that play. But again, that Jets play, you got to learn how to take a fall better, how you go go down. It's not always about getting hit. It's about how you fall. Uh, that has a lot to do with it. So hopefully he can work on that. But uh, again, Javid Best with concussion. They said he should be back hopefully by Tuesday. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, again, I agree with Carl uh, You know, calling in. The offense looks great. The offense does look really good. Um, we, we're missing, I think, key defensive guys, and that's what, hurt, that's what is hurting us at this time. So hopefully we can get some of these guys back, even though they're not going to really introduce Nick Fairley to an every down type, you know, of, you know, defensive end, he's still going to be in there often. So, I mean, hopefully they can get him in there, get him some reps. Cause that's the only thing that bothers me about, you know, this season is it's just these guys, these, the lost rookie class, like we've talked about in so many different ways, because these guys just don't have the time to get, read the play. I mean, just the, it's basically like telling, telling you, all right, you're going to be taking during 480. All right, you're going to take a news and law. But instead of having 16 weeks to do this class, you're going to have to learn and do everything in this class in about four weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of learning curve. And for, you know, that's tough. Mm-hmm. It's very tough. And that's why, you know, I, I think you're really going to see the elite and like who is not the learning curve of these college kids that are coming in the league. Who's got the intelligence? 
who's got that NFL mind because some guys don't. Some guys have the physical aspects of the game, but they don't have the, the just the, the smartness. There's a certain smartness that has to come to any sport, and those are the greats and not the goods. And that's why you look at a guy like Cam Newton, who kind of looked lost out there uh, yesterday, just really looking like kind of a babe in the woods. Um, and they still haven't decided whether it should be Cam Newton or Jimmy Clausen. Um, I know you're probably a huge Carolina Panthers fan. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Woo. But, um, I mean, you know, Jimmy Clausen used to play for Notre Dame, of course, and Cam Newton, Auburn, and his whole scandal and hoopla. Um, just quick question, because people have been asking this. You know, Jimmy Clausen or Cam Newton? Number one overall pick of this year's draft, Cam Newton, or Jimmy Clausen, who played last year and was extremely inconsistent? <laughs> who, who do you give the start to if you're a Carolina Panthers team that went 2-14 and 14 last year? You know, who are you? Are you going to just go with the number one draft pick, your guy, even though he's not ready? Necessarily, are you going to go with the guy that has been under the system for a year but really didn't do too great? Why not start with the guy who didn't do too great and work on the one who should be great and then throw him in after two or three games once he's gotten used to it? Exactly. Good, great. great in. No, I do. completely agree with that 100%. I don't think you throw Cam right in either. Uh, yeah, you put Clausen in and you maybe maybe do him kind of dual thing, whatever. You know, one Check half Clausen, then mm-hmm. okay, throw Newton in or something. Mm-hmm. like. But yeah, I don't think this is. Cam Newton's team to come in and it's my team. Like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Like, you know, you're a quarterback in the league. You're not it's, be a quarterback in this year in this league to just come in and play. Good luck. Mm. You know, but uh, real fast, uh, some news. Um, the only reason I'm saying this uh, is because I went to school with this guy. Uh, but uh, anyone who knows the Packers at all, uh, Frank Zombo, he plays linebacker for the Packers, went to high school, he graduated a year after me. Um, so pa- Frank Zombo, who I was rooting for all the last Super Bowl, he got a lot of playing time and played very well um, in the Super Bowl. Um, unfortunately, he is going to be out indefinitely. Um, he has got a broken uh, scapula, um, which sounds like uh, Mike McCarthy says he's going to miss a significant amount of time. He broke it in a collision with fullback John Kuhn uh, during warm-ups before Friday night's preseason game against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he still did play in the game, but just didn't know about the severity of the injury until later, I guess. Um, that's unfortunate. Uh, Zombo is a tough guy. McCarthy says, quote, that tells you something about Frank, end quote, that he played the whole game before even really realizing that he had broken something. Yeah. Um, you know, he played for Central Michigan. He was an undrafted free agent, played in 13 games last year with the Packers, had eight starts as a rookie, and he started and recorded a sack in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he's a good guy. You know, I, I don't know him very well, but know him well enough. Uh, I wish him the best. Um, you know, it's, it's really tough to take an injury in preseason and realize I'm going to miss such a large part of this season, and especially knowing, I mean, you're, you're Super Bowl champion, you're defending it. And, you know, to not be able to be out there has got to be one of the most frustrating things around. But uh, here's a quote uh, about Zombo regarding his injury. He says, quote, They haven't said anything about that. I certainly hope not. I don't think it's that serious of an injury that I'd be out the whole season. I definitely hope not. But I was playing great up until then. I graded out at 100%. I played 30 plays with one arm. So it really did hurt because I played really well with one arm. End quote. But, uh, yeah, just Zombo, I wish you the best, buddy. Um, you know, again, I know you're on the Packers, but... Hey, if the Lions are never doing well. Honestly, I'm rooting for the Packers out of people in our out of teams in our division. I can't stand the Bears and the Vikings. Can't uh, that's just me. That's just me. Can't stand them. But I want to get something I want to talk about real fast. In this regards, the two men shot at the 49ers game this weekend. Uh, two men were uh, shot and wounded. They were not killed, but they were wounded quite bad in the parking lot of Candlestick Park here. Um, and it's just it, it's got me thinking: What in the heck is going on? with fans these days i understand that we all have our personal you know we all oh i love the lions i hate the bears that doesn't mean i'm gonna shoot a man because Mm -hmm. he's wearing a you know f Lions shirt you know or Mm -hmm. something like that and uh nonetheless a 24 year old man who was wearing a profane t-shirt um he's been hospitalized in serious condition sunday after being shot several times in the stomach he managed to stumble to candlestick park stadium security for help despite his injuries a second victim a 20 year old man was treated for less serious wounds in a separate shooting um also after the game they are still looking for the person of interest regarding this and um you know basically <coughs> excuse me they're gonna have no more preseason games between the raiders and the niners they've eliminated them my question to our listeners i really want to get an opinion what is going on with this what is going on in sports you had you saw it happen earlier this year in march with uh, the near fatal beating of a giants fan outside of dodger stadium two men just stomping on a giants fan he's still in a coma to this day um got extremely extremely hurt from this what is going on with people what is what is the mindset of today's day and age and today's sports fans to take it it's a preseason football game and you're shooting two people because he's got a profane t-shirt regarding your Raiders? 
That's absolutely absurd. Uh, to be willing to take two people's lives because you don't agree with what football team they like. Phone number is 517-432-3893. Megan, what's your opinion on this? I mean, this is two separate, not just a fist fight, not just something, but I'm talking very extremely aggressive violence at sporting events. What is your opinion out of this? My opinion is I think it's completely unnecessary. I think any fighting between two, you know, fans is unnecessary. Despite what someone's wearing, you can think it's offensive. Say something to them. No reason to shoot him or punch him or anything like that unless they get too far. Um, Who knows what, like, why this person did what they did with these separate shootings. I don't know what it is with people today. Like, I like sports. I love sports. I will argue with people about if I think they're wrong. Oh, of course. And I think a lot of people are that way, but I think a lot of people take it too far, and sports become life. Um, You know, like, that kind of thing, you know, I don't know if it's really linked to this, but when the economy started to kind of plummet, everyone kind of turned to sports. And they're like... I can watch the football game. It'll make everything better, like that kind of thing. And, you know, maybe maybe that's what people just got too caught up in it. Yeah, I mean, I just – I just, it's such aggressive violence again. It's, this is not fighting. I mean, I've definitely seen it. I mean, I've been, in, I've been here for a while here in East Lansing, and give me a break. There's been a number of Michigan, Michigan State football day games mm-hmm. where I hear a story of some kid getting kind of beat up or getting into a little riffraff with mm-hmm. an you know, old Michigan fan or vice versa, whatever it might be. You get that, and that's – you know, that's you know, your, your kids are boozed up, and, yeah, you know, they're just very passionate about their team. Oh, yeah. And I can understand that to a degree, but when you take it to this level – of actually shooting two people. Um, again, I don't know if these were necessarily related. Um, they, they're saying that they're not sure. But to shoot two people, because a guy's wearing a different shirt, I think you're losing. You're talking about attempted murder because of a guy because he doesn't like the Raiders? <laughs> I like the Raiders, but the Raiders suck. So I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, you know, yeah, and the Niners aren't that good either. And we're talking about a week two preseason football game. We're not talking about the Super Bowl. We're not talking about a division clinching game at the end of the year. This is August. And we got someone getting so angry that they're shooting a Niners fan because he has a profane shirt on. I just think the world's gone mad. It has. And I think the world's gone mad. And yeah, a lot of it you could say, I mean, I, I do agree with the point that, like, you know, people, and I think they've always found escape in sports. Oh, they yeah. find escape in reality TV, which is sports. Sports is a version of reality TV, mm-hmm. especially with the way the 24 hour media has made sports these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a reality TV show, and people do just take, you know, because, yeah, their lives aren't doing so well, whether it's the economy, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are hurting these days, and a lot of people are struggling. Mm-hmm. And I do completely understand that. But to take it to this level it just sickens me. And to see two incidents this year of, you know, this guy who got shot several times, he's in serious condition, and he might not get out of this. And, uh, again, the guy who got beat up at the Dodgers game, he's still in a coma. Mm-hmm. You know, these are young men that are just at a game and not necessarily inciting trouble, but just fans of their teams. And to see other people come out and backlash in such a such a violent way – just disturbs me. Mm-hmm. Um, real fast, just some other news quickly around the league. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald agreed to an eight-year deal Saturday that could pay him as much as $120 million. He is the main wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cam Newton will be slated to start at quarterback Thursday night against the Bengals to see what he can do. Um, let's see, Evan Moore, a tight end for the Cleveland Browns, sustained a mild concussion um, against the Lions in that game. Other than that, our boy Plexico Burris caught three passes, including a 26-yarder for a touchdown in his first game back in nearly three years for the uh, New York Jets, and they beat the Cincinnati Bengals 27-7. to And that is around the league. So, people, if you're going to a sports game, be careful about that profane shirt. Yeah. Because who knows what people these days. And the way I've always looked at it in general, just don't instigate. And just don't instigate. You're wearing whatever. I know everyone. Yeah, we all love John back and forth between, you know, our hated rivals. Mm-hmm. But I think people just need to even be more aware of their situation, of the people they're arguing with and their surroundings. Because you just don't know these days. This is not your, you know, your mom's or your dad's era. It's just really not. But, uh, hey, MIS, you were there. Let's tell all of our listeners what went down in Brooklyn. MIS, holy cow. I don't know if any of you guys have been doing NASCAR race, but I, I suggest <laughs> some earplugs or something. It's loud no matter where you are on there. And it's the track's huge. It's like two miles long. Yeah. Um, but I was at MIS yesterday. It was a little scary at first because it did rain in the morning, and everyone was like, oh, they have to go drive off the track, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, what you got going and everything, that was a good race. It was a really good race. Um. It wasn't not not so much exciting with crash wise. I know I know all you guys love NASCAR crashes. <laughs> I know um, uh, Kurt Busch he ended up clipping someone in like the last I want to say twenty laps, and 
that put a caution up. But other than that, someone threw something on the track or something, and it cautioned. Like, <laughs> yeah, I heard well, there were like a couple questionable debris cautions. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is the people I was sitting with are some good family friends, and he was just like, they're just trying to rack up the laps, and I was like, why? Like, where is this? Why are they cautioning right now? But that was only the only legit caution I ever saw. Um, you you were talking to me earlier, and you were saying, didn't didn't Jeff Gordon lead a bunch of laps? Yeah, Jeff Gordon led a lot of laps actually. Uh-huh. Um, he did he did very well. He was driving the Dupont car though, which I have not seen. I haven't at seen all in a minute this season. So, and that's his old car. I don't know if you guys have seen him on the the vending machines or anything. That's his old old sponsor and everything. According to my who I was with, they were saying this might be the last year they're sponsoring. Um, so maybe that's why. Um, he was actually battling it out. I'm pretty sure it was Tony Stewart for a while for uh-huh. first. So they were kind of going back and forth. They had nine lead changes between them by themselves. Um, it was a it was a it was a great race though, and that's you know Kyle Busch pulled it off. Uh, him and him and Jimmy Johnson were back and forth for a while too. Yeah, I saw and, Jimmy was up there leading, and Mark Martin. Yeah. Uh, it looked like Mark Martin had a pretty good showing. Yep. What he finished fourth or fifth? Uh, Mark Martin finished fourth. Yeah, okay, I, I mean, me and friend were talking about this, like you know, who's your favorite NASCAR driver? And seriously, we're going down the line, and I'm like, don't like that guy, don't like that guy, don't like that guy, don't like that guy, I don't like that guy. It's like Mark Martin. He's, he's, he's a legit guy. I like Mark Martin. He's old. He is he's still old. doing it. He's he still is. getting it done. He doesn't cause problems. He just drives. And that's the thing. that The two top guys, no, nobody likes the Bush brothers. That's Not really. One. No one likes Jimmy Johnson. Not really. And so we got Kyle no Busch. No one likes Tony runner. Stewart, really. No. And we got we got Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson first two. My favorite racer, I would have to say, would be Dale Earnhardt. And then you got your Dale Jr. fans and your Jeff Gordon fans. Oh my gosh, Gordon! The the fans there were just insane. Everyone loved Jeff Gordon. Yeah. He had the hometown hero, like all that kind of stuff. And it was just, it was a really it was a cool race because that was my first one I'd ever been ever been to. So how was uh, Desmond Howard as the Grand Marshal? I know he was the one who was there. And... <laughs> it was funny because um, the kid I was with, he he drives for the racing team here, the state racing team. Cool. So he was wearing a state racing shirt, and we walked past the state state police officer. He goes, "You must have lost a bet or something." He's like, "You're supposed to." He covers up his patch, and it's a blue and yellow Michigan. He goes, "You're." supposed to be wearing something like that and it's just funny because like you know they're all the way in brooklyn which is more like a lot closer to east lansing than it is to michigan yeah to ann arbor um but the the amount of michigan fans there probably happy oh they went crazy and so we're we're like boo and we're like boo Boo. like this is bad everyone's like what like they're all i still like desmond though i've always liked desmond (laughs) howard obviously screw michigan but desmond howard's a good guy yep and i guess uh next week well this was the pure michigan 400 next week's bristol it's tailgating bristol um this week, top five. I'll throw those out there real quick. Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson, Brad Keselowski, uh, Mark Martin, and Ryan Newman. Um, other so than that. how many races until the Sprint Cup finish? I think um, there's like three races left. Until the Sprint Cup until, finishes? In, well, yeah, until the uh, what they have their final 12, right? Yeah. Yeah. They have Bristol, Atlanta, Richmond. Um, we're, at, we're at race 24 next week out of 36. Okay. So okay. we still have like 12 more to go. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we still have a while. We're over halfway, though. So and it ends in November. Mid-November, mm-hmm. end November. Yeah, but they'll get down to their final 12 here very soon, right? Oh, and then do soon. Yeah, very soon. Uh-huh. And then, okay, then you got their final 12 for yep. the final push. Uh, we'll see who will win that. I don't know. I mean, I'll be... The only thing that'll impress me is if Jimmy Johnson wins six straight yeah, right. sprint cups. That would be... He's, he's doing all right, but from what he's been doing this year, he's just not doing as well. Not doing well enough? Yeah, I don't think so. Not we'll right see. Now. I mean, because it's for all these guys, it's just like, just get to the yeah, final 12. I think and it's a whole new them, season in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, I think a lot of them are trying to take advantage of this wild card situation, too. The, you know, the 11 oh, yeah. to 20, uh, whoever has the most wins, clinches the wild card positions. Right now, there's only, there's like three people with one. There's one with two, and then like a couple of the contenders have zero. Yeah. Right now, and it's just, it's it's a weird thing, but it's kind of a cool way to do it, and so I think that's the big thing with them right now, too, is the wild card. No, it definitely is, but no, thanks for that update. Yeah, my buddy said, went to it, said it was a great time, it was awesome, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, yeah, again, for anyone who hasn't been to a race, I haven't myself, but the level of volume, the sounds and the oh. smells... Would just you could right. smell the tires burning from what I've been told, and just, just you can't even explain that level of volume when they whip around. Just don't sit in the first 10, 15 rows because I put sunscreen on and I had pieces of tire stuck all up and down my arms, my legs. They were just <laughs> all over, and just the smells and everything. It's pretty cool though. 
<laughs> no, that's real cool. Uh, real fast, a uh, little last story. It's not even much of a story. It's just uh, a little something. I'm only saying it because it's an ex-MSU player. Uh, this is a story from the Associated Press off DetroitNews.com. Story uh, goes, police have searched the Oregon home of Memphis Grizzlies forward Zach Randolph to investigate the alleged assault of a man selling marijuana. Uh, the alleged victim told police that Randolph, a former Michigan State star, was not involved in the beating. Uh, the victim told police he went to Randolph's home early Saturday morning to sell marijuana. He said at least three people beat him using a pool cue following a dispute over the price of drugs. Uh, Clackamas County Sheriff Sergeant James Rhodes said the victim was treated for head and face injuries and released from the hospital. Police say Randolph was in his suburban Portland home at the time of the beating. Rhodes said evidence from the home backs up the victim's allegations and attempts to reach Randolph were unsuccessful and Grizzlies have no comment. So it really just sounds like he wasn't involved at all, but people were at his house trying to buy drugs. Weird. <laughs> or yeah, you know they were friendly. Yeah, people were trying to buy him there. He was selling them around there. And uh, one little last brief of this. I don't really care, but some people might. Um, the Raiders have selected Ohio State's Terrell Pryor <laughs> I was wondering if in the supplemental draft. I had to say it. I didn't want to. But uh, Terrell Pryor has been selected in the third round today in NFL's uh, supplemental draft. Um, he will he will be able to play um, in the last two preseason games of the season, but he will not be able to play until game six of the NFL regular season because he was suspended. Uh, he, he got the same five-game suspension from Roger Goodell regarding the suspension that he had gotten out uh, got into Ohio State but obviously did not stay with Ohio State. Um, and that's a whole other argument because I think that's ridiculous. I don't even like Terrell Pryor, but I don't think in any way you should have the college compared to the fo- to the NFL. I don't think you, they correlate in any way like that. Uh, but that is our show. I want to remind everyone that next week we are doing our Big Ten special show, and we are going to have two special guests on this show, one an ex-MSU football player and one a father of one of the football players that plays right now on the team. Not going to tell you who. You're going to have to tune in. But uh, that will be next week, 7 to 8 o'clock. Um, I want to thank all of our listeners again for tuning in. The Asian Invasion is coming up next, so stay tuned. For all of you out there, my name is Dave Ferencu. I'm Megan. You guys have a great night out there. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.